invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, uh, the third chapter, which is read for us. We'll be uh, preaching and teaching on that this, uh, this morning. Uh, today we celebrate the Holy Trinity, three persons and one God, same in substance, equal in power and glory. And the Scripture bears witness to this reality when it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we also have Jesus giving the command to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christians profess our faith using this structure. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is a doctrine that is obviously unique to Christianity. It becomes a stumbling block for many in intellect. Truth be told, we can't really explain the Trinity the best we can do, I think, is to simply proclaim it as true, to enjoy the mystery that is our God, and to stand forever in awe of Him. For in this divine community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have infinite love, love for God Himself, love for His image bearers, love for all of creation, and it is shared in a divine dance with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To that end, I invite you to pray with me to this, our God. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you who have created all things and who sustains all things, we are grateful that you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the world, and that you've sent your Holy Spirit to be our source of comfort, of confidence in Christ, and of joy. We give you praise, honor, and glory, O Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are one and that you are our God. We bow before you now, inviting you to conform us more into the image of your dear Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. John Calvin wrote the Institutes of the Christian Religion, and he begins this magisterial tome by pondering, if we're speaking of God and man, who should we speak of first, God or, or man? He, he got to choose one or the other. He opts to speak of God first, and for hundreds of pages, unpacks who God is as revealed by Scripture and the created order. And so this Sunday, we do likewise. We speak of who our God is. Trinity Sunday follows on Eastertide and Ascension Sunday and Pentecost, and it enters into a season known as the common time in the church era here, the church year. But this Sunday serves as a kind of reset. It reminds us that the foundation upon which our faith is built upon. So our task this morning is to examine portions of John's gospel that we might learn who God is a little bit more clearly, and in so doing, we see ourselves a little more clearly. As you look at John's gospel letter, maybe more than any other portions of Scripture, John unpacks the character, the nature, the work and salvation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity at work in John's letter, perhaps in more than any other portion of Scripture. From John's early on in the book, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, to saying that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, gave His only Son, to Jesus' promise that the Father will send the Spirit as Jesus asked Him to send the Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dance throughout the pages of John's beautiful telling of the gospel. So we come to John 3, 
Jesus is encountering a, a teacher of the faith. It's at night. A certain Nicodemus comes to him inquiring, well, who is this Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? And what John gives us is a scene here that unpacks the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in salvation. Verses 3 and 5 give us the image of the Spirit descending, being sent from above. Chapter 3, verse 17 tells us that the Father is the one who sends the Son. Verse 13 says, well, the Son is the one who willingly goes. In verse 14, we have the Father lifting up the Son. We see a type of Trinitarian dance throughout John chapter 3. So our task this morning is to try to join in this dance. Look at verse 13 with me in John chapter 3. Verse 13 says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The dance begins by showing us that the Father and the Son are one. We get at this doctrine of the Trinity, three persons in one Godhead, in part by seeing how each person of the Trinity is at work in the salvation of God's people. What is their own role individually, and how does it work together with the other persons in the Trinity? Again, this is a, a mystery uh, beyond our understanding so my hope is as we examine it, it might begin to inspire a little bit more awe. We would just stand in awe of who this God is. And as I've begun to indicate here, that when we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's different ways to try to imagine or picture who this God is. But the, the term perichoresis for me helps to inspire awe, at least tend to move me in that direction. Perichoresis, the, the word choresis, we've talked about this before, but it, it's the word, from the word which we get uh, choreographed. Uh, it means it's got the image of, of dance, of, of joyful movement, coordinated. Peri gives the sense of uh, a round or a circling. There's, in perichoresis, there's an intermingling in joy of a purposeful movement. There's this eternally festive dance. That is communion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where from creation this, this triune dance overflows in love to create. And that love is then shared with God's image bearers. In fact, that love of the triune dance is shared with all of creation. The Scriptures talk about the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech or sing. All the trees of the forest, that says, sing for joy. Scriptures talk about mountain and hills breaking forth into singing. Trees of the field, well, they're clapping their hands. So we hear from John this morning, because what he does is he stories for us the dance steps of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the work of salvation. And part of that dance, what we see is we see the Father sending his Son, verse 17, what is it, is there, for God did not send His Son into the world 
to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. See, Father and Son working together for the life of the world in which they've created. Jesus was sent by God the Father to judge the world, right? He's judge over all of creation. But the hope of His judgment is not to utterly condemn the world, but rather through the Son that the Father would vindicate or save the world. Whether He's talking about the world of God's people or just the world at large, encompassing all of creation in which all of humanity dwells, God gives His one and only Son that the world might, what, might share in the life of the triune God. That's what salvation is pictured as, I think, in part, or we can picture it that way. It's a sharing in the life of the triune God, a sharing in the dance, the divine dance, which has been happening from all eternity. The Father sends the Son, but then we see the Son willingly goes as well. Look at verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The, 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 the Son willingly descends. The Son here is submitting to the will of the Father. Isn't that interesting to think about the Godhead submitting to one another? Because the mission of God is to save His created order, His people. And the Son willingly submits, willingly goes in order to fulfill the mission that the Father has given Him. Where it says that this Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He made Himself nothing. The Son, God Himself, does not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He takes on the form of a servant, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Hebrews 8 gets at this willing submission or subjection of the Son as well, when it talks about Jesus, the incarnate Son, being perfected by what He suffers as He learns obedience. That's what Hebrews 5.8 says. Although He was the Son, He learned obedience through what He suffered. The Father sends and the, the Son goes willingly as they share in the work of salvation. And that sharing the work of salvation, of course, brings us to the cross in verse 14 and 15 of John 3, look at 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Who is doing the lifting? If the Son of Man must be lifted up, who is doing the lifting but God the Father? The work of salvation required the divine sacrifice of the Son. As verse 16 says, God so loved the world that He gave. These verses are pointing, of course, to the sacrificial dying of Jesus. And this isn't just something that came all of a sudden in a moment of history. This is what Scripture has all along the way had been predicting. Isaiah 53 verse 10 said this when speaking of the suffering servant. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Father to crush the Son. He, the Father, has put him, the Son, to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. The Father is sending His Son, raising Him up on the cross. But Jesus also has authority over His own life to ascend the cross Himself. When Jesus describes Himself as the Good Shepherd in John 10, what does He say? For this reason, the Father loves me. Why? 
because I lay down my life that I may take it up again, said Jesus. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Well, this charge I've received from my Father. You see how they're intermingling this this mission, this work of salvation? Father and Son participate in the infinite joys of the divine dance from all eternity. And in history and space and time, as He comes to save His people, the Father is commanding the Son. The Father is giving His Son, while the Son willingly submits and goes. The Son gives His life, and He takes His life back up again, and the Father receives His service, and the Father raises Him from the dead. Salvation here is, is, is an image of the divine dance extended to God's created order. Salvation is pictured as a sharing in the life of the triune God. The Son is given that His image bearers, His children, might join in with this infinite and eternal dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the motive, of course, is love, for God so loved the world. This love that has been enjoyed for all eternity is now extended to His created order. See, that the, the Father and Son here are seen dancing together from all eternity as one united in person, in nature, and character, but also in their work of salvation. But John also shows us that the Spirit is one with the Father and the Son as well, not only in chapter 3, but elsewhere. Verses 3 and 5, we see that the Spirit, too, is given from above. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God, verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We see the Spirit sharing in the work of salvation that Father and Son are deeply engaged in. To be born again, or your your footnotes would probably say, to be born from above. The Spirit comes from above, is given. Who's doing the giving? The Father and the Son. Jesus teaches that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. You cannot enjoy communion, the eternal rule of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot participate in the divine dance unless you are born of water and the Spirit. The Spirit shares in the work of the Father and Son to create and to save. If we go back to the the days of creation, we see the Spirit hovering over void, over darkness, and water is present, of course, there bringing forth God's Word. God the Father speaks the Word, His Son, in the physical manifestation as He creates all things. The Spirit was also sharing and work throughout the history of redemption and saving people from in the wilderness wandering. He came in the form of fire and cloud to lead God's people. Later, the prophet Ezekiel speaks of water and Spirit once again as God creates a new people from God out of a valley of dry bones. The work of the Spirit in salvation is is literally literally throughout all of Scriptures, saving, redeeming, as the Father sends the Son, as the Son willingly goes. Together with the Father and the Son, the Spirit is given, is worshipped, and glorified. John is leading us in the dance steps of this triune divine dance. And we begin to see the Trinity more clearly here. 
And in seeing Him, we begin to love Him, to stand in awe of Him. But is there any practical work for this teaching or this doctrine of the Trinity? Well, if we are made in the image of God, then there's something about the way that the Godhead works must inform how we are to live our lives, right? We image Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does that mean for us? Well, John tells us that the triune God is dancing for the life of the world. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. So let's think about Adam and Eve as they walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Or maybe we could use an image, it's not a Hebrew word or anything like that, but maybe we could think of the box step or the two-step. I don't know what it looked like. I'm guessing a pretty simple dance that even I could attain to. Dancing with God in the garden, the, the problem wasn't that they were bad dancers. The problem was that they chose the wrong dance partner. See, God had given them sun, moon, stars, given them seasons to govern their days, given them every plant and animal by which to nurture, to cultivate, to tend, to give them the tree of life, to strengthen, to sustain, to give joy. Oh, he withheld the tree of knowledge of good and evil to be given at a later time. But they had everything. As they danced with their creator God in the cool of the day, but then the serpent tapped the shoulder to cut in. Adam and Eve obliged. They stumbled, and they fell, and they were banished from the divine dance. Now, exile from the garden. We're not to think of it as some kind of probation for them, where they are to dance until they get the rhythm right until they stop that annoying overbite as they sway side to side, or that they finally cease to step upon God's toes as they went to dance with Him. Exile was the experience of dancing apart from the divine, of dancing with lovers less wild. Dancing in the desert wilderness proved fatally bad, isolated from infinite joy, lacking the symphony of infinite love. But the Father, in whose image His children are made, He does not depart, but rather He draws near, and He grants access to Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this divine dance from all eternity, as He gives them commands and instructions for right worship and sacrifice, for faithfulness and daily work and life. The Son who was sent by the Father has come before generations in the form of Abraham or, or Moses or David or all of the prophets shadowing the Son. The Son came in the form of the priesthood and the high priest. He came as the sacrificial lamb who was slain. The Son has come before as God's very Word, living and active, until the Son comes and takes on flesh Himself. God uniting Himself with His image bearers in the flesh. He descends to dwell with the image bearers of God, to tie Himself in this dance of life, inviting humanity into the dance with the divine. And then He ascends the cross as the Father raises Him up. He then descends into this, this tomb to rise, only to then ascend up to heaven once again, arisen and ascended king. 
See, the Father and the Son then give the Spirit who invites the people, who then enliven His people to share in the divine dance, to become partakers in the life of the Trinity. Because we're created to dance with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A Trinitarian communion. Our lives are then to be shaped by the Trinity. If we are made in the image of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, an eternal and infinite community, then of course our lives are to be shaped in community. As God is eternally community, so we who bear His image flourish only in a community-shaped life, community shaped by and sharing in the life of the divine community. Which means you've seen those bumper stickers, right, that say coexist and they've got the different religious symbols on them, coexist. Those bumper stickers just fall way short of the intended life of all of humanity. We're made for so much more than simply existing together. We are made to commune with one another in communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A common life, a shared life governed by divine love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. This community or this communion with one another and with the Holy God is established and governed in the love of God. It is out of the overflow of love for Himself that God creates. It is the love that God has for Himself that moves Him to save His creation, His created order, His created image bearers. So we do sing, how deep the Father's love, how great, how majestic the self-sacrificing love of the Son, how vast and deep the Spirit's love for us, this love which leads us in the way of humility, imitating the Godhead who seeks ever and always to glorify, to exalt the other. The persons of the Trinity are always seeking to exalt or lift up the other persons of the Godhead, which is exactly why Paul commends Christians this. He says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each uh, of you not look only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Communion with one another is but a reflection of our communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a, a dance that is happening from all eternity, and we are invited into that dance. And the life of the body of Christ is to be a model and an example or a light to what this divine dance looks like. No matter how imperfectly we do it, no matter how often we step on one another's toes, we are called to share in communion and to dance with the divine Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we seek to dance well with one another. Community, of course, but also there is unity. There's three persons in one God. Though many, we are one in Christ. Though many, we are united with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means that there must be a mutual submission, a mutual coming under a mission greater than ourselves, individually, even corporately. When Paul gives commands to how husband and wives are to live together, to serve one another, the first thing he says is that they must submit to one another. 
And so the various parts of the body must submit willingly, gladly, joyfully one to another, playing our own roles as we submit to the other parts of the body for health and for the glory of God. So there are times as the body in which we stand more face-to-face, enjoying the intimate communion that we share with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have times where we feast upon this Trinitarian love more directly, more intimately. But a lot of life is also walked as the body of Christ shoulder to shoulder. And in that, we are moving towards, ever moving towards pursuit of the glory of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which requires self-sacrificing, self-giving love. It requires a faithfulness to God and to one another in our vocations as we seek to care for creation. We work to reconcile all things to God through Jesus Christ, beginning with relationships at home, in the small spheres of our influence, in the faces around us, in the shoulders we rub up against. See, we are united around God and His Word, for in it He reveals Himself. Now, we will differ in many areas, not only in our body, but throughout the church, in our city, communities, around the world. But the core of biblical truth must be held fast to, and it begins first and foremost in the life of the Trinity. We build our lives upon the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I know that as I conclude this sermon, you guys understand the Trinity fully. You can go out from here in a short image of the divine dance. You can explain it so that everybody's like, ah, now that makes sense. Thank you. I doubt it. But maybe we can be inspired in awe that from all eternity, the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit have been one in community, that it is out of an overflow of love which was shared from all eternity in that community, out of that love overflowing, we ourselves have been created in all of the cosmos as well. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit from all eternity have been dancing to the rhythms of divine love and infinite joy, and this God calls us into that presence to share with us that dance, to enliven us in that spirit, all without money, all without cost, we simply come in the life of His Son to join in the dance and to mature in His love. And as we learn and as we are learning to dance, we are inviting, we are calling out to a watching world, come, the Lord of the dance is calling Join us as we revel in His love, as we tumble in His joy, as we give ourselves for His glory, the good of His church, and for the life of the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that You have given us Your Son and that You have sent us Your Spirit to lead, to guide, to comfort, console. We pray for your guidance, your wisdom, as we seek to navigate this life in this world, not only in the midst of this body and our families, but also as we depart this place and go out into our communities. Lead us and guide us. May we rest in awe of who you are, and may that awe be uh, contagious and inspiring for others to come to you and join in this dance from all eternity. 
We praise your holy name now and forevermore. Amen.